for the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you for listening to BRC and Friends. This is another episode that is done in partnership between First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto and BRC and Friends. In this series, you're going to be hearing from candidates for the Palo Alto City Council. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything else that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for me to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. All right, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto webinars. It's a place where we engage the hearts and minds of academics, artists, authors, and community leaders. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian. Today's webinar is part of a series that we're doing where I'm interviewing 2020 candidates for Palo Alto City Council. This set of interviews, I'm hoping to not only get to know the issues that are important to each candidate, but also to get to know them, uh, get to know the person behind the politician. We'll be taking questions later, so please use the Q&A section of, of the webinar, and we'll get to those later in the program. Uh, the webinar is going to be recorded. It is being recorded, and we will share it on our church YouTube channel, as well as our Instagram TV channel, and we'll post it as part of my podcast, BRC and Friends. So today, I'm so excited. I welcome City Council candidate Raven Malone. So welcome, Raven. And if you Hi. could just start start by telling us, who are you? Who is Raven? Like, what do we need to know about you? We have an hour to chat and get to know each other. So go for it. Who are you? Okay, well, first, thank you so much for having me. Um, a little about myself. I'm an electrical, well, I'm a systems engineer. Um, I love dogs. Um, I have a slight tea addiction. Um, and I, I love all things involving art. So, yeah. Uh, so I have an undergrad and a master's degree in electrical engineering with a minor in engineering management. And I've been an engineer for the past eight years, kind of a variation of electrical engineering, systems engineering, and software engineering. And, um, you know, while being a systems engineer, I've been the lead uh, engineer in over sometimes multi-billion dollar programs, um, leading engineers with different opinions uh, to get a job done by the deadline. And I feel like that skill is very critical when going to city council. Um, so, I was born and raised in the South. I was actually born and raised in Mobile, Alabama. I'm not sure if you know where that is, <laughs> but um, I grew up working class and I actually in the South, I experienced firsthand how, you know, systematic racism, um, inequality and lack of opportunity can affect entire communities. Um, I learned the value of hard work from my dad, my godmom, and my village. I was literally raised by a village. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but my, my dad, he also taught me the importance of being compassionate and showing compassion. So um, he taught me about, you know, standing up for the unheard or underrepresented. And he also really inspired my, my sense of service 
uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, he actually went there and he helped with the disaster relief efforts. And then when Hurricane Harvey um, hit Houston, I, I did the same thing. Me and some mm. friends, we, we went to Houston and we got a boat because that was the only way we could reach people. And we just went around for four days evacuating people from their wow. home and, and their and families. And it was, it was definitely a life-changing experience, but I've been determined to step up any and every chance that I get ever since then. Mm, great. Thank you. I'm going to pretend that I know the difference between an electrical engineer, a systems engineer, a software engineer, a social <laughs> science person. I'm like, okay, I guess they just put things together and make sure they're in the right place. But what is a systems engineer? T- just quickly help, help so, me understand. What do you- um, so a systems engineer can actually mean a lot of things. Um, a systems engineer can mean um, IT, like network administration, um, a systems engineer, in my case, a systems engineer is uh, more so like project management. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and software engineer, you know, of course that's coding and then, but electrical engineer is kind of, it's just broad. So you can do yeah. all of these things under electrical engineering, which is why I chose that major, which is the most, you, you could do the most, uh, I guess the most diverse um, out of the, the other majors. So. Oh, great. Cool. Well, good. I mean, I'm sure that that's a whole, webinar in itself to talk about your experience of going through that <laughs> process in college and high school and all those kind of things. But we'll have to save that for, for another time. So what brought you out to, what brought you to Palo Alto? How did you end up in this place growing up in, in the South? Oh man. Um, well, my fiance and I actually had our eyes set on Palo Alto from the moment we hit the Bay area, you know, Palo Alto is known for having really great community resources. Um, you know, really great hospitals. And we, we came up here frequently, you know, going to restaurants, um, going to uh, the farmer's market here. And just the environment was really comforting for us. So we, we were determined to move here. Unfortunately, we had a, a hard time because it's a little expensive. <laughs> yes. I hear you. Yeah. Especially um, us being from the South. I, I had a a loft downtown that I paid $875 a month for. And it was really nice. And then I moved here and it's like, I, I may be able to get a very small room for that much somewhere else, not in Palo Alto. But um, yeah, we, we had to, uh, to wait a while in order to find something that wasn't within our budget. But now we are renters. We, we have three roommates, so it's five people in one house. <laughs> and it's very interesting. I, I'm convinced that we will probably be renters forever, but we're very happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Well, let, so um, uh, can I ask, how long have you been in Palo Alto now? So I've been here since March. So I moved okay. here and then shelter in place happened immediately. All right. And so you're diving, you're diving right in. I mean, it's, uh, you're diving right in. <laughs> And, and so I'm a, this'll be, this'll be fun because I'm a newcomer, right? I've been here for less than a year or about a little over a year um, and uh, was in San Francisco for about 30 years before that and had all images of Palo Alto that most were not positive. And I've told people like that, that's not the image that normally is given off from Palo Alto. And my time here, some of those have been 
you know, affirmed and kind of uh, legitimized. Others, it's really just about San Francisco. We're smug when we're in San Francisco and we believe that's the center of everything good. So, you know, I'm here now and I found things that I really love about this place I, that, that I've really kind of um, embraced. Uh, so we'll talk about concerns and, and things, challenges, but why do you, what do you love about Palo Alto? Because, you know, people are going to be going, well, you just got here. And now you want to come in, now you want to come and run this place. But why do you, why, like, what about, you don't want to do this unless you love a place. Right. So what, what do you love about Palo Alto? I mean, I love the community. I love, um, like I said before, the community resources, the things that the city has to offer. Um, I love the fact that uh, it's very involved in tech and it was very involved in the, in the development of what Silicon Valley is today. I mean, we have Stanford right here and just the innovation and, and as an engineer that really attracted me to, um, I mean, not only Silicon Valley, but Palo Alto specifically. And um, I love all the parks and open spaces that are here. And I mean, I have a dog, so my fiance and I, we just walk and it, it honestly feels like we can walk in any direction and there's a park or something where we can just kind of hang out with, uh, with our dog Luna. So that's, that's definitely a perk. Um, Sancho's. I don't know if you've been there, the tacos. I have. We could talk about that. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that yes. is that. That was also enough to make us want to move here. So, <laughs> I, Sancho's is great. At oh, some man. point, we could make a visit to San Francisco and be in the mission. And like, there's like, so that's one of the things. And again, I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm not. I don't want to talk bad about Palo Alto business <laughs> at all. But you know, like when you're in San Francisco, you have the food selection of San Francisco is so much different than it is in Palo Alto. And uh, that's the, that's the one thing we're really adjusting to is I don't have my like five hole in the wall places that I can just take 10 bucks to and get a meal like that does not exist here. And so uh, that, that's great. So what, so, and I would say I too, I love, I grew up in the suburbs in Sacramento and I didn't really think I'd want to go back to that, but I kind of like just going out and walking and like the streets are wide, Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little, it's a little unlit for my, my personal safety. So I have tens of tons of lights all over me when I walk at night. Um, <laughs> I'm very much a dad. My kids are embarrassed, but that's okay. Uh, so I, I really enjoy that piece. I've, I've gotten to know some businesses that I really, have, they've come to know me. And I think there's this kind of in a positive way, this real small town feel that mm-hmm. I kind of am surprised that I, I like so much uh, after being in the city. You know, I think that's kind of one of the things that made us like it because, I mean, we're, we're both from the South, so we're both from kind of small cities. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as the food goes, I mean, in the South, we have uh, Southern food. Where I'm from, we have Creole and Cajun food, but there's not the vast variety. Mari- var- oh, my gosh. There's not the vast <laughs> uh, variety that, that we have here. So Yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's still well, better okay, than so, what we're used to. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I did get, I got, uh, I went to Mobile uh, one time uh, for, and I saw, I think I saw on your Instagram that you had something for uh, around when CT Vivian died. I think you might've put something or, so I got to hang out. I got to hang out with him for a week, which was oh. one of the most amazing pieces. And, and that's not just name drop, but I, I think, he is one of those un, unknown for the larger community, powerful civil rights move. And so I hung out in Mobile for a while. And then I got stuck there overnight. 
and, and, and had to rent a car. My mobile story is I call up the rental car place. So I'm stuck here for a day. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Can I just get a car? And they're like, sure. All we have are trucks. Like, so I got this huge pickup truck. It was the same oh, cost no. as like this. The same cost as this little compact that I normally get. I'm like, well, all right. When in Rome, this is what apparently. Well, welcome to the South. <laughs> I mean, exactly. People are like, oh, that looks totally normal. I'm like, okay, it was fun. Anyway, we'll move on. So, um, mm-hmm. Palo Alto, then, uh, as with you coming at it with uh, uh, new eyes, right? Fresh eyes to seeing this community from uh, a very different place. What do you right. think of the challenges that Palo Alto faces? Like, what, what do you think are the things that, um, uh, you know, why did you, like, what are you, you're running? What are you hoping positive changes come out of, of your election and, and, and others? Well, um, I, I'm hoping to bring on more housing. The, the lack of housing here is really causing a lot of problems, even within Palo Alto and the quality of life that people value here. Um, I mean, it, it's causing the school system to be on a steady decline as far as their enrollments. People who have grown up here, who were born and raised here, are leaving because like while their families, their parents could afford to buy a home here, they can't. And they want to also eventually live on their own. So um, it's that that's something that we really have to, it's, it's really important. It's really important that we bring on more housing, more market rate and affordable housing. Um, as well as better infrastructure for our future. Um, it's important that while we're encouraging people to use, you know, more greener sources of transportation like bicycling, that we're ensuring their safety while they're doing that. So, um, you know, I really want to encourage uh, better infrastructure like uh, protected bike lanes or uh, bike boulevards. And also I would like to reimagine the way we do community safety. I would like to see more uh, transparency and accountability within our police department. Mm-hmm. Great, thank you. Um, all right, well that, that segues uh, great into our next segment where I wanna talk about, uh, have some conversation with you about some particular topics. But those of you that are watching, uh, make sure that you go ahead and use that Q&A feature, put your questions in there and, and we'll run uh, those down. I will take at least one question from everybody, but if you wanna put a second one in and we have time, we can take second questions, but go ahead and start putting those in. But let's, let's dive into uh, this first question. And again, uh, all the candidates are being asked these same sets of questions. So let's talk about institutional racism and policing. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk around whether it's, or do we reform? Are we defunding? Are we reallocating? Are we looking at um, abolition? Uh, I, I will share with what I think about some of that, but just to give everybody an opportunity to hear from each candidate with everything going on that clearly was going on before George Floyd, but that has, you know, kind of come to a national uh, kind of apex, really, Talk about this a little bit with me. I know I've, I've seen you at multiple events um, and generally kind of know where you are, but uh, tell folks a little bit about uh, your understanding and experience and ideas about policing and institutional racism. Uh, well, I, I definitely growing up in the South, it, I have a, a, a large understanding <laughs> of uh, policing and, and institutional racism. I mean, I've had um, run-ins with the, the police myself, and I've never committed a crime, um, so there's that, but 
yeah, I mean, it's definitely important that we, when I say reimagine community safety, um, I, I just want to see us take a more holistic approach. So I, I call it um, holistic emergency responses or HER. Uh, but, uh, you know, just social services for um, helping unhoused, um, mental health crises, you know, things where the police don't really have adequate training, but we have professionals who do. Because at the end of the day, we just want to keep everyone safe, right? Like that's, that's, you know, supposed to be what the police does, keep everyone safe. So let's make sure that we're doing that. And um, I, I just want to you know, leave the police, of course, to do the things that only the police can do, handle the crimes. But, you know, for traffic stops, routine traffic stops, like, I would like to use it, look into using peace officers that are unarmed. There's no reason that someone should fear for their life when they're being pulled over for a broken tail light. And I've seen that happen. Um, there is actually a couple who broke down uh, right on, right off of my street. I, I live off of Oregon Expressway. And, uh, the a police car pulled up behind us to you know just make sure that they were okay i had to stop behind them to make sure that you know they had a tow truck that they had a mechanic and there was a guy in the passenger seat he wasn't driving but i just saw his complete demeanor change and he like you know straightened up and he put his hands in his lap and so he saw the police officer before I did. And then I looked at him and I'm like, what's going on? And I look and I see a police officer. So I, I walk up to the police officer and I'm like, hey, you know, we're good here. Um, a tow truck's on the way. We'll be out of here in no time. You know, I apologize if we're blocking any traffic. Or, But it's just the sheer fear that I saw from him. Like I felt that before so many times. And I just want to really create an environment where no one has to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, one of the things about Palo Alto, I was in a conversation with a friend and they were, they were saying, well, what does a non-policed community look like? And he's, he's African-American. He's like, well, unless you're black, Palo Alto. In some ways, like it is not a policed community in the same way that other communities are policed. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I mean, that's, that should be good. Most people are experiencing how we should have police, but unless in Palo Alto with our, our rates and percentages of if you're black are so much higher than if you're not. Right. Um, so how do you, how, how do you see um, Palo Alto addressing that with the police department? I think we, I love the fact that we're a small town and so we could try these, like we could try new things. Um, how, how do you see yourself working with the police or addressing that with um, our particular uh, police department? Well, I mean, I would just, like to see more uh, transparency and more accountability. It's, I mean, you and I both know that there's a, a disproportionate amount of stops in Palo Alto, given the, the demographic of the city. But there are some people who feel like there isn't a problem at all. There, there mm -hmm. have been people who've told me this shouldn't even be on your platform. But to the people that this is affecting, it's really important. And it's, it's important that, you know, if I'm going to be a city council member, that I'm representing the entire community and I'm not leaving out some people uh, who are being targeted or being, yeah. you know, racially profiled. And I mean, it's very hard to 
find information on what's going on in our police department. There have been cases in our police department that happened a while ago, and we're just now finding out about it because they reported it to other auditors. Um, there, you know, have been things that have happened in our police department that are, are very racist. Racial slurs have been used in our police department. And then instead of that officer being, um, you know, dismissed from the police department, he was promoted. So mm. it's like things like that are happening in our police department. And it's hard for us to say that, you know, we have, we're, we're serving and protecting the entire community when we're allowing things like that to happen, because that's not mm-hmm. showing that we're, we're protecting the entire community. Right. So the city council has just, I, I guess, approved the eight can't wait and mm-hmm. what that means. And I'll tell you what I think about it first. So I'm not trying to set you everything. I'm not a big fan of eight can't wait only yeah. because um, San Francisco was an eight can't wait city. Uh, Minneapolis is a six of eight can't wait city. Um, and I, you know, I lean much more, much more towards abolition and looking at that. And that's not, and not everybody is there. And I totally understand that. But um, when it comes to how city council will hold police accountable um, in, in what they've done so far, like wh- how, how will you help to create actual change and, and actual transformation that um, you shook your head yes when I said, oh, I don't like cake, can't wait. So I'm assuming you, you understand that that is not obviously, that obviously doesn't create that kind of transformation. So, I mean, how would you kind of uh, help that to come to fruition where we, we actually do this transformation of, of public safety? So a can't wait, in my opinion, is a bare minimum as far as guidelines go. I mean, it leaves, it leaves out a lot. So for instance, there's, there's a ban on chokeholds. But what happens if an officer still does a ban on chokeholds? Because history has shown, I mean, not necessarily in Palo Alto, but in other places, you know, if, uh, if there is an eight can't wait or that is already banned and a police officer were to do it anyway, there would still be little to no consequences. The police officer might get arrested if it uh, gets uh, national attention, but then will they actually be convicted? Probably not. So we just, it's really important that when we set guidelines that we set rules to what happens if those guidelines are broken. So, I mean, that's one thing. And I mean, qualified immunity, that's, that makes it even harder to have any kind of accountability. Right, right. Well, let's, uh, I know we could probably talk forever about this, um, oh, yes. but let's keep moving because you got, there's tons of issues in, uh, impacting our city. So let's talk about housing. You've already okay. mentioned that and you've, you've talked about uh, market housing as well as uh, affordable housing. And, mm-hmm. and all that. so um, what are, if, if you got to decide, you get to put the next thing forward around housing and everybody says, yes, we'll all vote yes on that. What is it? Like what, what's your, what are your ideas around housing uh, and improving housing for um, Palo Alto? Well, I would just like to see, you know, more dense housing, especially near transit areas. Um, People are really concerned about the traffic. I mean, traffic is a real concern within the whole Bay Area. And and I would like to also, you know, come up with a a solution for transit. But that's something that, in my opinion, Palo Alto cannot conquer alone. Uh, This is a, a Bay Area transit problem. So it's something that we'll definitely have to solve with the other cities in the Bay Area. 
Um, but back to housing, I would like to see us build up as well. Um, more apartment buildings, more condos, and also, you know, make it easier for developers to build here. And it, it's just important that we, while building housing, also um, have more renter protections. So, I mean, I feel like housing is also something that I could talk about all day. Um, it's just such an important issue. It's been affecting so many people. I've spoken to a, quite a, a few quite a, a lot of people who have moved out of Palo Alto because of the housing problem alone. Mm -hmm. So what, what we hear and as talking with people is, um, you know, I think there are folks that don't want to change neighborhood feel and vibe. And so there's mm -hmm. this assumption that, and I'm not sure I'd want a eight story multi-use right. thing <laughs> built next to me. I totally get that, but it, it does feel like there are corridors and some places that we might consider being different, like right? trying to you know, uh, expand our housing. Are there any um, projects or things you've seen around more dense housing that you particularly like and support or, or things you might see happening in Palo Alto? Well, so for instance, there are already condos downtown. Mm -hmm. So there are already tall buildings downtown. So we can add more tall buildings where there are already tall buildings. And I mean, we can stop things like um, hotel president. We can stop things like that from happening where it was converted um, into a hotel and a lot of people, you know, were pushed out uh, in order for that to happen. And that was really unfortunate, especially considering we are in the middle of a housing crisis. So we need to make sure that we're, we're focusing on more housing. I do completely understand and agree with y'all spoken to people who are like, I don't want a fourplex right next door to me. And it's like, that's completely fair. Um, but we still need, uh, need more housing, whether we, we uh, dedicate certain areas to that, like maybe dedicate all the the tall buildings to downtown near transit areas where they're kind of congested and they're not in the middle of neighborhoods. So where it's a single family home and then an apartment complex right. next door. So there's definitely a way to do it where um, it creates more housing and then not interrupt the neighborhood feel of the neighborhoods that are here in Palo Alto. And I mean, accessory dwelling units, there, there are many ways that we can, we can look into doing it, but we do need more housing. And I just wish that more people would understand how critical this is. I mean, there are over 300 uh, people here who are unhoused and. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Is your car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Palo Alto uh, City Council just approved the uh, safe parking program, but that only allows for 12 parking spaces, whereas there are a lot more people who don't have a place to go. So it's important that we do something for them as well.
and um, San Jose, they actually have a really great program called Destination Home. I would love to see us uh, look into that and try to incorporate that, incorporate that into Palo Alto as well. Yeah, it just, it just seems to me that we have so many people that, that come and work in Palo Alto. Right. And, and so much of our office buildings have been built up. And you now that's going to be a, a shift, you know, in the pandemic time too. But, and then they can't live here. And so I, I, I'm split. I, I want to have more affordable housing. Also know that market rate housing is going to have to be built as well. Absolutely. And, and what does it mean to in, increase diversity in both of those settings and, and all that. And, um, I mean, what are, you, what are the pushbacks you're receiving? What are the folks saying to you as you think about these ideas around housing in particular? What kind of, yeah, what kind of resistance are you getting or what do you hear uh, from the opposition from, from better? I know the same thing um, like you were saying, like, oh, I don't want condos next to me and I don't want a fourplex next to me. I really love the way that the Palo Alto neighborhoods are currently and I don't want that to change. I don't want that the quality of life to change. I don't want the the feel of Palo Alto neighborhoods to change. And I understand that and I, I acknowledge that and I respect that. But there is an issue where we need more housing. So it's like, okay, I understand you don't want housing built here. Okay, that's fine. So where would you be okay with us building this housing? Because it's needed. There, there are people who need it. There are thousands of people who need it, probably hundreds of thousands of people who need it. So where can we build it? You can't say, oh, yes, I do agree that we need housing, but not here and, and not over there. And it definitely can't go over there. And um, I, I mean, we were discussing Coverly and, you know, just the, the ideas of what Coverly can come up with, uh, especially, uh, given the master plan for Coverly, which is amazing. And it's like, there's also room for housing. I mean, it's important. I mean, kind of like you touched on, a lot of our essential workers don't live here. They can't afford to live here. And it's important that we show them that they also are a part of our community. I mean, they're helping our, our community run and flourish and thrive. So it's important that we treat them like they belong here as well, instead of casting them out. So I would also like to see some housing for our central workers as well, our teachers, our firefighters, our police officers. So yeah, it would be interesting. I don't even know the numbers of about, uh, and this happened in, in San Francisco as well, is like how many of our teachers actually live in Palo Alto versus, I've, I know of a bunch of our teachers. I have, I have a senior uh, at Gunn, our youngest, and, and I know some of her teachers are living and commuting, you know, an hour or they're just not here. Um, yeah. That's circumstance or choice, but like to be able to really live in the city would be, would be hugely helpful, I would think. But I, yeah, I agree. I completely yeah. agree. And it would make it so that the teachers could stay after school longer. If, you know, students need help with, with schoolwork, they could attend their students' events and ball games instead of focusing on trying to be traffic home. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's great. So um, let me ask you a little bit about um, just, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand just about the faith community and things, but, um, uh, you know, I'm coming here and involved with some things, and I've always been involved in, in political things, and this church that I'm at, First mm-hmm. Presbyterian, is, has historically been involved uh, in social justice and compassion ministries and, and all that. And, um, uh, so how do, how do you see, um, the faith community being involved in movements of, for change and community involvement and politics and all that kind of thing? I mean, uh, coming out of the South, it's different. And now that you've been here for a little bit, um, 
Yeah, just talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Where do you see the faith community? Because we're, we're, um, this is going out and many people are going to watch this. So that's kind of why I ask. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so, I mean, we kind of touched on before, but the faith community here looks completely different from the faith community in the South that, that I'm used to. And um, here we have, you know, ministers and um, pastors who are LGBTQ, who have tattoos, who are, you know, radical and outspoken and just unapologetically themselves. Whereas where I'm from, that's not normal. But that's amazing to see. The, the role of the faith community in the Bay Area in Palo Alto is amazing to see. I really love the diversity. And I, you know, I want to make sure that everyone has, whether it's, you know, they're religious or they're spiritual, it's, it's really important that people have something to go to, especially in times like this, when you kind of need that support. And I mean, I want to keep encouraging that. I, I want to encourage our, our faith leaders to get involved and in, more involved in the community and social justice and the things that are going on. It, it's amazing to see, you know, the leaders of uh, the faith communities take such big um, stances on these mm -hmm. issues. Yeah, there, there has been a, a very long tradition here as I'm learning more and more as I'm living here and getting to know about um, the, the role of the faith community and uh, uh, helping to form things like the Opportunity Center and some other things that have all worked together. And I think there is this next generation of, okay, so what is kind of like the civil rights movement was this big apex of this. And then it's like, okay, we can live off of that for so long, but now we have these new things. What do we, like, what does this look like now? And And I think that's, an interesting thing happened in Palo Alto with some newer clergy coming in and just trying to figure out how do we work together uh, in this space, which is very different for many of us. Um, I will say I do have a tattoo, um, but I say that as if it's any kind of uh, radical thing. It is a cross. So my, uh, it's not really, I'm like, I didn't it's really step counts. out of any bath. It's it like, like kind of cross. <laughs> but a, a, a friend of mine did it in North Carolina because we were at a conference and we were bored. And this is never a good time to go get tattoos, but we went to a, a gas station slash tattoo parlor and both of us got crosses on our ankles. There you go. Little story for you. Um, all, right. all right. So it is, it is art. It is art. So, um, so uh, folks, remember to go ahead and put some questions in the QA. We're get Q and A. We're getting up to that point uh, pretty soon here, but let me ask you then uh, let's say you get elected, right? You, uh, mm -hmm. you're on, you're on council. And let's say you say you get to turn, you know, two terms, eight years, it seems like forever right now. Um, but what's your vision for, for Palo Alto? What does it begin to look like? What, it, what does it look like? What is it beginning to look like in the next five or 10 years? Um, in the next five or 10 years, I, I would really like to see, you know, much better infrastructure, more sustainability. Um, everyone having a place to call home, um, more trust within the community and the police department. And yeah, just really a place where everyone can thrive, everyone feels welcome, where there isn't an achievement gap in the school system. Uh, it's, it's really important that Palo Alto, you know, if, if we say we're leaders, it's important that we own up to that and that we do the work to really enforce it on every level. And it's, I, I just, I just really like to see um, 
Palo Alto be a city where everyone either wants to come to live or hang out or go to Coverly or, um, you know, put their, their students, uh, their kids in the school systems. And I mean, we have great hospitals. Palo Alto is, is we're great, but there's a lot of work that we can do to be even better. So that's, that's my vision for Palo Alto. Great, thank you. All right, well, let's go ahead and take some questions in the Q&A there. So some of you go ahead and put some in, things in there. I know some of the past ones, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you a couple of things that I know that will come up is, uh, one is what do you think about the Fry's site uh, and what's going on with Fry's? And, and you know, there's lots of things working already, but if you just kind of had your, they're gonna say, okay, assignment number one, what are we doing with Fry's? Tell us what you're <laughs> thinking about the Fry's lot. I, ideal. And then maybe in light of what conversations have already been happening. Um, so ideal, I would like to see a lot of housing. Um, it, I mean, it's a great site. There's lots of space there. We could definitely build a lot of dense housing there. Um, I know that there are talks about possibly a target. Um, I mean, to be fair, there there's a lot of room for a lot of things to make people in the community happy, happy to where we can we could build a target and also have housing um, like either, you know, in the parking lot area or behind it. Um, but I mean, we've we've done things like that before in the um, in the sofa area. We've created things like that. So I, I would like to see something like that also happen at the price site. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, what about um, switching gears a little bit, uh, now moving to elect elect electrification of the trains, Caltrain and all those and kind of all the conversations about grading and underground or on time, I mean, all the things cross, cross crossings and all that. What are your thoughts about that project, um, ideas around underground, above ground, uh, hybrid? Like th that seems to be a question that keep people continue to ask. But, so what do you think about that? So as far as the specifics on what we do for the grade separation, I feel like it's important that we speak with the community who would be directly affected, um, like the neighborhoods that are right near the train tracks, um, because the construction will be right there, mm. um, you know. So, but I, one thing is I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we haven't already done something, um, especially given the history of, you know, the things that have happened there. This is a real safety concern. It's something that the city has to really take seriously and be persistent on and um, start taking action. We, we've been talking about it. It's, it's time that we actually come up with a plan and do something whether it be raise it above ground or go below ground, something has to be done. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. All right. Um, got a question from Leif Erickson. Uh, let me show that to you, but I'm going to go ahead and read it as well. So community professes caring about services for young people and values a diverse community, but decisions mm -hmm. tend to be made by older people uh, talking over the heads of younger people and decisions about equity and diversity are made by officials who don't represent diverse perspectives. Why is this a problem from Leaf? Well, thank you, Leaf. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a problem for a lot of reasons. It's, it's someone making a decision who doesn't directly understand the problem. Um, for instance, 
even with uh, Black Lives Matter, right? So there are allies, and then there are people who are directly dis disproportionately uh, racially targeted, and you know there's racial bias, and they're they're being affected by that directly. But then there are people who are on the outside who are looking and understand that there's a problem, but they'll never actually understand the depth of it. It's kind of that same thing. And it's like, it's hard for people who don't fully understand to solve the problem, especially when you're not working with the people who are directly affected. So it's important that when we're handling problems that affect certain communities that we work with those communities in order to get that job done also representation i'm glad that um, he brought up representation that's critical um, it's important to to see yourself and to know that there is someone who is bringing your voice to the table mm -hmm. right yeah I, I i i've only been to a couple of city council meetings and um I found that there are, are certainly Black Lives Matter allies who, um, who for, you know, to be, well, there seems somewhat performative. And um, because then like drilling down into root causes and all that doesn't make the connection to the policies that then could help to change that. So it's kind of at this, yes, we're, supportive in words, but then when we want to have, say, young people brought into the conversation, do we really trust them to the level that we've said we want to, uh, which doesn't always happen. I will say that um, having uh, city council meetings via Zoom uh, seems to have opened that up a little bit and that some of the, uh -huh. the, the public commentary, public comments, have, there have been a lot of young people who have been jumping in, which seems which is awesome. I mean, I think that is different than when you have these face-to-face -face ones um, right. as well. Yeah. So, all right. And then, honestly, oh, go ahead. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Go sorry. ahead. I honestly feel like um, the younger generation doesn't get the credit that they deserve. I mean, the younger generation, they're so much brighter. Like, for instance, the high school generation, they're so much brighter than I was in high school. Um, there is a high schooler on my team who – um, who uh, started a, a nonprofit when he was 16. When I was 16, I was not starting nonprofits. I wasn't thinking about starting nonprofits. Welcome to Palo Alto, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where these kids yeah. are. And yeah. it's really, you know, important that we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that just because we were somewhere when we were that age doesn't mean that this generation is there. And it's important that we recognize that. And, yeah. you know, take that into consideration when we make decisions. I mean, their voice also de deserves to be brought to the table. Yeah. Well, I'm always one of those when you talk about young people is we romanticize that generation. Right. And so it's either either we give everything to them or or we hold it all ourselves. And that the generational partnership is so important of how we help nurture young people into their mm -hmm. fullness without holding on to power. I mean, that is one of uh, one of my pulpits that I'm always on. I got another question here from Linda Anderson. So what contributions will you make towards maintaining uh, council civil discourse? However you want to interpret and answer that. Go for it. Um, I don't know if I, I don't feel like I really understand the question. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I, my guess, I, and Linda, you can go ahead and type something back mm -hmm. in there. Um, but just, uh, I don't, I know I've heard some people feel like their city council is, is a little too, uh, they fight too much. That's a very simplistic way. So how might you help? What would you contribute? And totally, Linda, I'm putting words in your mouth. Here. How would you help so that the city council <laughs> does things? I mean, that's what I hear is that right. it's, it's so polarized that it actually is going to help get, get things done. I mean, there's going to be right. diverse opinions. How will you um, be part of a new body that will help get things done? Well, I mean, just me looking in, it kind of feels like city council is an us versus them kind of thing. And I feel like it's, it's important that people realize that it's not about you. It's about the constituents and it's about the people that you're representing. And you have to keep that in mind when you're making decisions. And it's like, just because you feel like something isn't right doesn't mean that's true and it's important that you take like when you're making decisions you're you're affecting people's lives and you need to take their opinions in, into consideration mm -hmm. and I mean you need to speak to your constituents before making these decisions and and I just feel like there's kind of a real lack of community involvement especially when you know you you see the votes and i mean right after public comment and the public comment saying one thing and then they vote a completely different way and it's like well did you hear any of the people who were speaking so i i feel like it's important that you stop being so about yourself at least that's my approach and you focus on the people that you're working for and that you're who you're whose lives you're trying to make better and you have to work together in order to do that. It can't really be an us versus them. Collaboration is so important. So you have to be willing, like even if you don't agree with them on a personal level, or if you don't care about them um, as a person or, or professionally or whatever, you still have to work together because it is your job to still represent a whole community. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you, thank you. All right, any other last questions? Pop them in the Q&A now. Or forever hold your peace. Okay, well, I'm going to keep moving on then. So um, before we kind of end our time together, do you have any questions for me? I always love to see if anybody has any questions for me. Yes. Uh, how do you feel about Palo Alto now that you're here? <laughs> what do you love about it? What would you like to see? Be that's, good. that's good that you asked me what I love about it first because <laughs> um, I – I, my, the congregation members are on here and others. I love Palo Alto. I'm, I'm here. I'm not, I just love poking fun at Palo Alto. Um, I, I really do. I, I have unexpectedly um, enjoyed being in, in what feels like a small town. I mean, I was involved in politics in San Francisco, but you know, I just, people ask me, so how did you get all the candidates to say yes to this? And I'm like, I asked. I mean, it wasn't like there was this, I didn't have to pay these huge amount of political dues and be a name, right? First Presbyterian has a little bit of notoriety in, this, in, the, in the city, but candidates just said, sure. I mean, I think in a time of pandemic, an hour by yourself is huge, which in campaign season. So, uh, you know, I think I like that there's this small town vibe to it. It really feels like it's, it's local politics, as frustrating as that has been in some <laughs> spaces, it's like it's so-and-so down the street. My neighbor could be calling in and actually having impact. So I, I love that part about it. I, I like the Southern part where I live. Um, we're in the Southern part of Palo Alto. So mm -hmm. um, Greer, 
area. So I've, I love that kind of uh, Loma Verde Midtown area. So Phil's on Middlefield. I've gotten to know people there. I did a podcast with a bunch of the baristas and uh, you know, I've happy donuts is my place of refuge on El Camino for their cronuts. And I, so I've, I've found spaces that feel like me, uh, right. I really love. Um, I do think Palo Alto is, um, it, it, it deserves some of its provincial um, reputation. It, it does feel that, um, uh, you know, a great example would be listening to the debate on Foothills um, Park and folks saying Ooh. that if we, if we open it up, then other people won't respect it as if, you know, I was joking with Ren, I'm like, well, the riffraff from Menlo Park, right? I mean, it just feels like one, yes, Palo Alto's respect it, but it doesn't mean that everybody in Palo Alto respects the property and that other people are incapable of doing that. So that's just one example of like, I don't, I think it's just, it's seeped in a little bit and I would like yeah. it to, to, I would like people to see Palo Alto as a place that they want to come visit and hang out. And mm -hmm. we do have a lot of great things, but right now it, it does feel it's a little provincial. It's hard as a new person. Um, and I don't think people always see that it, for those mm -hmm. who've been for a, a long time. I think well-intentioned, very kind for the most part, it's been right. a, a wonderful experience, but that provincial sense of Palo Alto is still, um, uh, pretty strong uh, from, yeah. from perspective. I, I remember that meeting and I remember listening to, to the comments from the council and about people smoking on the trails and playing loud music. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, is that, <laughs> is that what they do in Menlo Park? Like, I didn't even know. <laughs> like, is that... Those Los Altos Hills folks, man, you got to watch out. for Man, for you have to yeah. watch them. <laughs> watch out. All right. Well, um, thanks for asking. So as we kind of wrap up, uh, I ask every guest three questions. What are you reading? What are you watching? And what are you listening to? So what are you reading these days? What are you watching? And what are you listening to? Okay. Well, I am reading, um, I'm reading the last book of a series there was this Netflix movie that came out um, to all the boys I've loved before, and I'm a huge rom-com. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic, so um, I, I loved the movie, and I went and bought the whole series, so I'm on the last book of that. Um, what am and I all watching? Three movies, all three movies have already been filmed, because so, I have people in my household that are totally into this. But So we're well, waiting for the I third cannot, one. I cannot wait until the third movie comes out. I was a little disappointed in the second movie but the it's okay one. we can do a whole other meeting about that <laughs> um what am i watching let's see i feel like i watch a lot of weird things um i was just watching a show on hulu what was it called um I can't remember at the moment, but I, I am watching um, Netflix brought back some kind of old school things that I grew up on. So I've been watching um, Girlfriends and Sister, Sister. So yep. reliving my 90s days. <laughs> right. Netflix, yeah. net, all these streaming services are, are bringing all these new, these old ones back and just making a killing, I'm sure. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, what am I listening to? I listen to a variety of things. So I actually have a playlist on Spotify so I have a, a mixture. I have um, Paramore on there, Mariah Carey, Janae Aiko, Rihanna, just a large mixture. I, I feel like what I'm listening to is always the hardest question because I listen to so many different things and so many different genres. 
I've, I've also been reliving my middle school emo days <laughs> as far as music. You should probably have a, can, a candidating hype list or something like something when you're, when you're out doing your visits <laughs> and shaking like that's what's, what's in your hair. So I hope you're enjoying this candidating time. Um, uh, it's it's, it's great to see, see you out there and all that. So, all right, all thank you for joining us today. Uh, remember, you can watch or listen to previous webinars and register for upcoming dates by visiting uh, fpresspa.org. You can connect with Raven on Instagram at ravenmalonepa and on Twitter at voteravenmalone. You can also check out her Linktree link on Instagram. Uh, and it's if you go to Linktree, it's ravenmalonepa, and that has all the links for social media and websites. As always, you can connect with me on all the social media platforms at Chow. Uh, be sure to follow and connect with First Presbyterian Church on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at FPC Palo Alto. Subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto. Thanks to Derek Kikuchi for helping out on the webinar again. And thank you, Raven, for sitting down with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's really been a pleasure. Great. All right, again, thanks for joining us, everyone. And we'll see you next week when I sit down with Carrie Templeton on Wednesday and Stephen Lee on Friday. Until then, have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. BRC and Friends was produced, written, recorded, and edited by Bruce Reyes-Chow with zero help from his dog, Vespa. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow, like, tag, and share on all the platforms via B-R-C-A-N-D-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. Thanks for listening to BRC and Friends. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Is your car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.